Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 where there are free pop shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy the jazz with incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying good food and drink, and taking in the game and socializing with friends. The Ford Fan Zone. Jazz and the Brooklyn Nets. Second game on this three-game road trip. Can the Jazz extend the win streak? You think this is going to be a tough one? I do. Brooklyn's a couple games under 500, but they're missing Kyrie Irving for a big stretch of the season. November 11th to what, January 12th, so two, well, it's two months. Season. Yeah. He's barely played. And they've been pretty good at home. They're 11 and 8. Yeah, they're fine. And now they got him. And you got Dinwiddie, the Colorado kid who can go off? Yeah. I, 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 this is not a cakewalk whatsoever. This is a freaking NBA, man. They got players, they can get hot. Dinwiddie can go for 30. Just like that. Same thing with Irving. So, yeah, you get this win. This is a nice win. Brooklyn is not. You just don't roll it up as a guaranteed W. All right, time to bring in Ben Anderson. You hear him on the Jazz Radio broadcast doing pre-half and post-game right here on the Jazz Radio Network. And he's joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Ben, good morning. Good morning, guys. All right, Ben. Is this where the dream dies? The streak can't go on forever. There's got to be a loss somewhere. Is it today or is it another time? I think it's probably another time. This, this Brooklyn team is good. They're not great. And even though they got Kyrie Irving back on Sunday, they still have some flaws. And I don't know if they necessarily match up particularly well with how well the Jazz are playing. So I'm listening to you and Jake uh, doing your Sunday show after the game. I want you to know people are listening. I was one of them. And well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one of the things that I want to write about, and I, I, I want you to just do my, do my homework for me so I don't have to do it and take the easy way out because that's what I do now. Uh, you were talking about scoring and how the Jazz just didn't have enough scoring in the past, and you're speaking about Bogdanovich and his 30-point games. Could you explain that to this audience as far as you know what they had, particularly last year beyond Mitchell, and what they have this year beyond Mitchell, and how much better it is? Yeah, I know Quinn Snyder hates that we, we like to count things in tens. He just thinks it's kind of a superfluous number, where whether you have a 20-point-per-game score or... 30-point-per-game score, it is a little bit arbitrary. I understand that. But you look at the Jazz last year, and they had three players who scored 30 points. Donovan Mitchell did it something like 17 times. Jay Crowder did it one time. Grayson Allen did it one time. And Grayson Allen did it in Game 40. uh, And it took overtime to get there, and the starters didn't play. And now you've got a guy in Boyan Bogdanovich who's done it, I believe, eight times now. And the Jazz are 7-1 and in that stretch. So it's just nice when you're a basketball team, when your best player can have an off night or truly an off night and not even play in Donovan Mitchell, and you've got a guy in Boyan Bogdanovich who's a proven scorer who can step in and give you that. And then now for the fourth time this season, and it's only happened four times, I want to say all four have happened since Christmas. I know, in fact, all of them have because the first one was Jordan Clarkson. You've got a player coming off the bench who's given you 20. Now Jordan Clarkson's done it three times for the Jazz, and Emmanuel Moutier has done it one time since then. And that's, that's just how much better you're playing. And, and truthfully, in the, in the modern NBA, as much as defense should travel and defense should be able to be there every game, 
some nights you're off. I mean, if you watch the Wizards game, I, I don't know if he was sick, but Royce O'Neal's defense was not what it had been. And obviously there is that cold that's going around the team, and I don't know if that's why he was sluggish. I don't know if it was just a bad matchup with Bradley Beal, but the Jazz were giving up points, and they needed to score, and they needed to score 127 points to win that game. And here's a remarkable stat now. I want to, I, I think the Jazz have scored 128 points three times this year. They've scored 127 points one time this year, and they've won all those games. But I think the Jazz are also winning games when they're giving up the most points on the defensive side of the ball, where they gave up 126 to the Pelicans, and they still won that game. That's just not a game they would win in the past, and sometimes you just have to be able to fight fire with fire. That's 100% a game they would not have won in the past. And I don't know what's more impressive with Bogdanovich, uh, the raw you know, total number of points he's scoring, or more to the point that I think Quinn would sign off on is kind of the attitude like, when you know the team needs points. Now, in this case, you know because Donovan Mitchell literally isn't playing. But in another game, maybe where things aren't going well and you know you need buckets, it seems like Bogdanovich just has the, he has the skill first, the size and the skill, but saying it the attitude like, I better go get some buckets. We really need them right now. The first half, I thought, you know, in a variety of ways too, score from the free throw line, drive and score inside, hit the catch and th- shoot threes. He's got multiple ways to go, and if he gets trapped behind the basket, he'll fake the behind-the-back wraparound pass and throw it the other way and get somebody an open three. There's so many options. Yeah, he's, he's a, truly a great offensive player. And it is a little bit bizarre, I guess, and maybe it's just because uh, Donovan's been so good and because Rudy's so good that he's not getting any all-star love. And it's a, a forward who averages 20 points a game and shoots 40% from the three-point line. I mean, th- those guys are all-stars. And, and Bogdanovich is getting absolutely no love for that. So, I, I mean, that, that does speak to the level of how good the other players on this team are and also how overlooked he is and the fact that I don't think he really cares about those types of accolades. He, he doesn't seem like he's that type of guy. But, yeah, I mean, he's just been uh, an unbelievable addition. And I think to your point... I want to say it was on the road at Memphis. I know the Jazz lost one of those games, but they they had another one, and it must have been in the middle of that five-game road trip where they lost uh, the two on each side. The the Jazz were, what, down 15 or down 10 to to Memphis in that game, and Boyan came out in the third quarter and just said, like, if no one's going to score, I'll just score. I'll just take this game over, and he did that. And and having an ability to do that, especially from a guy who is such a mismatch because he shoots as well as he does and he's as big as he is – it's just, again, it's an, it's an advantage truly the Jazz probably haven't had since Carl Malone was on the team as far as a mismatch scorer like that. So I think it comes down to how much is this built on a solid foundation, how much of this, speaking of the win streak, obviously, in the 14 out of 15, whatever it is, how much of this is built on the fact that they're beating sub-500 teams. My line of thinking is this is the NBA, and we, we take Brooklyn as an example. Okay, They're not a great team, but on any given night, they're, they're certainly not a bad team. This is not like college when you get some teams that the talent level is just so drastically different, like Gonzaga, say, in the West Coast Conference, and we see what they do the other night. They're up 40 at halftime against uh, San Diego, I think it was. And in the NBA, it normally isn't like that, particularly on a given night, recognizing that the Jazz were down by 40 against Toronto. So how real is this winning streak and this great run they've been on? They wouldn't have won 14 to 15 if all these games were against the Rockets and the Mavericks and the Nuggets and and the Lakers. So, I I mean, I think it's fair to say that, and I don't think anyone would disagree with me. 
and also on the streak, and, and it ends tonight because you do get Kyrie Irving back, and then it sounds like Thursday night you're going to see Zion Williamson. But on the streak, they've they've missed Drew Holiday, they missed Zion Williamson, they they missed Blake Griffin, they missed Zach Collins, they they've missed a lot of really good players who who, who have been out for their teams, and and certainly that that plays into it. But yeah, I mean that they all have 12 NBA players. I was listening to Joe Ingles on your show last week, and, and he's right. You know, every team is littered with NBA players. That's why they're in the league, and 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 everyone can play. And the fact that the Jazz have avoided bad fluctuations where, I mean, even against the Wizards, if we're talking about the Jazz identity right now, it's defense and it's three-point shooting. And against the Wizards, they were 10 of 30 from the three-point line, so 33%, so far below average. Uh, And then their defense was bad, really bad in the first half, and they still won that game on the road. That's really hard to do, and and that authenticates how well they're playing and, and proves how well they're playing that they're finding ways to win games, even when they're missing players like Donovan Mitchell. They just, they are very clearly clicking. They very clearly have momentum. And, and maybe most importantly, they just, they have a belief that they can win every game when they step on the floor. And, and I, I really believe that was not the case early in the season. So we've established that they're going to win the vast majority, if not all of the games against teams that are 500 and below. But in the next month, and we, and we are about a month away here from the All-Star break. And in the next month, they've got to play Indiana and Miami, who are pretty good from the East. And they got to play Denver, Dallas, and Houston, home and home. So they have eight games against quality teams coming up here in the next month. I'm just curious, okay, you can beat everybody below 500, but do you win 30% of the games against teams that are pretty good playoff teams? Do you win 50? Do you win 70? I don't really have a good feel for that. Do you? Yeah, yeah, so the Jazz right now are winning something absurd, like 88% of their games against teams below 500. Now, what's funny is in the NBA this year, there's 17 teams below 500. So that, that's going to give you a winning record if you do that alone. So, so they're in good shape there. Uh, and, and then the Jazz are actually, uh, and not actually, obviously, everyone, they, they've always been this way. They're great at home. Uh, what do they have, three losses at home this season? Second, I mean, they're, they're yeah, playing very best. well. Second so, best record in the league at home. Okay, so when, when they're doing that, they're beating good teams there as well. And if you're beating good teams at home and then beating up on the bad teams, you're going to have a good record. And then the Jazz now are, what, 12-9 and nine on the road? So they've actually got a plus 500 uh, record away from home, which is an enormous plus. So I, I honestly think the Jazz should expect to beat 50% of the really good teams in the NBA. Uh, they should be splitting series with the best of the best. And they've done that with Milwaukee. They did that with Philadelphia. They need to prove they can do it with Boston and Denver and the Lakers and the Clippers, and they beat, they beat the Clippers twice. So they split the, the series with the Clippers already as well. So I think that's reasonable. I, I think if you're winning 50% of those games, that's your goal. And if you're winning at home, I mean, that's why you want to have home court advantage. You're going to a seven-game series. You're not going to win them all 4-0. to zero. You're probably going to have to win 4-2 to two or 4-3. to three. And that's the advantage of being able to split games and then being able to win the extra game when you're at home. And I think that's, that's the formula to getting to at least the Western Conference Finals. Are the Lakers uncatchable at this point in the West? Probably during the regular season, yes. Yeah. Unless the Jazz continue to win at a 90% win rate, maybe they catch them. But I think currently that they're uncatchable. And it's only, what, four games right now? But... It, it, I don't see, unless there's an injury, and obviously that dictates everything in the NBA, uh, unless there's a major injury, I don't think the Jazz are going to be able to catch them because they should be able to beat up on bad teams too. In fact, the Lakers, I think, are undefeated. I think they're 20-0 and or 21-0 and against teams below 500. 
So that's the good thing. They are just not blowing bad games. And I know they were down at the half to the, the Cavaliers last night, and then they beat them by 30. So they, they really are steamrolling some teams. I think the Jazz are getting two players to the All-Star game. How many do you think they're getting? I know Donovan Mitchell's going to go. I just don't see how you leave a 24-point-per-game score out as as much of a highlight as he is. And, and, and just looking at the guards in the West right now and the fact that the Jazz are going to be a top three or four seed most likely by the time the voting ends, the coaches have to put him in. It will be interesting to see the momentum that New Orleans has coming up over this break and then whether or not Carl Anthony Towns comes back. And maybe this Carl Anthony Towns injury, and apparently his return is imminent, but he's missed several games. He's only played something like 22 games this year. If he comes back, I mean, he's the number four or five leading scorer in the NBA. It's really hard for coaches to leave that guy out. The Timberwolves are awful, and the Pelicans are awful, but Brandon Ingram is also scoring 28 points a game, 27 points a game. So if one of if both of those guys make it in, and they get in because they're such good scorers, Rudy Gobert doesn't make it. What? But if No, if Ben, those, take that back now. If one of those guys doesn't make it, then I think Rudy Gobert has to be in, but he should have been in last year. I mean, it, it wasn't even close that he should have been over LaMarcus Aldridge last year, and he still didn't make it. So I, I think I, I, that's his pathway. It's going to be those three guys fighting for two spots. If Gobert doesn't make it, I ain't getting a haircut until he makes it. Well, it's going to be a while. <laughs> it's at least a year. PK with a ponytail. Uh, used to be, well, when I was a kid, I was I'd get my hair cut once a year. No big deal. Throwback oh Thursday. He, you, ben, there's a photo <laughs> you've got to see. Yak, back me up on this. Does Ben have to see that photo? Ben, I'll text it to you. I'll be in the studio tonight. Yeah, just leave it, leave it, leave it out. Okay, no, you can't text it to him. I need to see Ben's face when he sees <laughs> okay, that photo. Sounds good. Okay, it's just a sign of the times. Yeah, no, but it's classic, and I do think that regardless. Irregardless, you should do that again, whether Gobert makes the All-Star game or not. Gobert has got to make the All-Star game. If he doesn't make the team, I mean the team, not the game, but if he doesn't make the team this year, it's an absolute joke. It's the biggest I'll ball. Forget Gobert. I'll weep if he doesn't make it. Dikembe Mutombo was a no-doubt Hall of Famer, and that's who Rudy Gobert is. And he's made three All-NBA defensive first teams. He's made two All-NBA teams. And unfortunately, we just don't look at those very often when we're, we're talking about Hall of Fame voting. He, you know, and he still needs his work to do. He, he's not a Hall of Famer if he retires today. But he's got two Defensive Player of the Year awards. He probably needs to make four All-Star games or three All-Star games, get two more, three more All-NBA teams, and three more All-Defensive teams. And if he does that, he's probably got a Hall of Fame career. But if you don't make these All-Star games, that, that's what people look at. And it's why Joe Johnson has a, a legit case to make the NBA uh, Hall of Fame because – He's made it six times to the All-Star game. It just matters. It's how we go back and talk about players and who made an All-Star game this year and who didn't. And that means that, you know, John Stockton wasn't as good a player as, as Kevin Johnson, as some people want to argue, or Isaiah Thomas was better than than X player. Uh, you have to make the All-Star game for your legacy. And Rudy Gobert has a legacy that's worth remembering, I think, for the NBA. But Matumbo, an eight-time All-Star. So Matumbo was great, and, and Rudy Gobert is really great. I just, I, I hope. I, I mean, I, I don't think there's any question. Jazz fans recognize it. I do think Rudy has so much nuance to his game that they just look like missed layups if you've never watched him before. But then you realize every team misses layups that they don't miss against other teams against the Jazz. That you probably have to watch him more than four times a year or two times a year when your team plays him to understand truly how great he is. Guys, I can't wait to uh, talk to you again.